0: Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. I'm Pastor Tom Holliday, and we're continuing our look at the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 this week, verses 1 to 3 today. Ephesians chapter 2 is in many ways the Easter story made personal. If you're a fan of those makeover kind of shows or articles, in one way it's God's magnificent makeover, what he's done in our lives. This is a chapter that tells us that the Easter story is our story. As we walk through Ephesians chapter 2 this week, we're going to learn a lot of things. We're going to learn a couple of words that can destroy our lives for eternity, unless we see what God can do. And we're going to learn two words that change our lives for eternity, when we trust what God alone can do. We're going to learn some things about why you and I do the wrong things that we, that we do in life, in life. And we're also going to see some practical ways that you you and I can begin to see ourselves through the eyes of faith. We're going to see this week the place of good works in the life of a believer, and we're going to see what God is building and how he is building it, the unity that he wants to build into our lives. These next five days, we're going to be talking about all those things. Ephesians chapter 2 begins with the first verse talking about this personal life history, your spiritual life history. And it's a true, honest, but not pleasant, not pretty beginning. Ephesians 2.1 says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. The Bible here says that we are dead without Christ. And for a lot of us, that's, that's hard to believe. I mean, you, go, you go to an executive who's running a multi-million dollar company, they're on demand all day from work, and they're involved in their kid's life all weekend, and you tell him or you tell her you're dead, and they're going to look at you like you're nuts. Well, this is talking about spiritual death. This, this is talking about living a life unconnected to God. And there's two words that are used here to describe this place of spiritual death, of unconnectedness, in your trespasses and in your sins. Trespasses, that's a word that, that the picture there is a failure to hold to the path, you've wandered from the path. And sins, the word there is the word that has the idea of missing the mark. Sin is a failure to hit the mark. Missing the mark, wandering from the path. Wandering even though we hadn't really intended to and willfully and rebelliously going in the wrong direction. Whichever, he's saying, we've missed it. We're living in spiritual death, which one definition of that is not connected to God. God made us to be connected to him. We're not connected to him. So whatever good things, exciting things we might be doing in life, we're missing out on the main reason that God made us. And the Bible pictures that as spiritual death. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Spiritual death in this world and also separation from God for all of eternity is what awaits us if we we don't see something happen. Verses 2 and 3 of Ephesians 2 say some more about this this spiritual death, beginning in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, And following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, if sin brings spiritual death, these verses talk about why in the world would we sin? These couple of verses we've just read explain the three things that we all follow to our spiritual death. They talk about the world, the devil, and our sinful nature. Did you pick up on that as we read through those verses? We all followed after the ways of this world. The world there isn't talking about just the geography of the world, but the worldly way of thinking, the the drive to attain impressive material riches, to come to a place of power over people, this idea that the only thing that's really real is what I see, that's the course, that's the way of this world, and it's extremely powerful. It affects all of us. We tend to follow the ways of this world. If we don't tend to follow, then why is fashion fashionable? Why don't people just wear what they like? Why do they have to wear what everybody else is wearing? Because we are affected by what everybody else is thinking. And people are thinking selfishly. And when we follow that, Paul says here, we follow that to our own spiritual death. We're following the world. We're also following here, Here he says, the devil. In fact, there are two names used for the devil here. The ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's a strange name, and a spirit, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. The idea of the kingdom of the air there is, is this world that we live in, the idea of the spiritual realities that we come against in everyday life. And Paul is referring here to the fact that Satan, for a brief time, has been given a brief amount of power in this world. He is able to work evil. God's allowed him that power. For some reasons we understand, for many that I, I don't know that we'll ever understand, even when we get to heaven, but I trust God. I know that God's done it for his good purposes. And for a brief time, Satan has some measure of control and power, and he uses it to tempt us and to cause us to go in the wrong direction. That's a reason that we face spiritual death. He's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What is it that causes me to go the wrong direction, to want the wrong direction in life? What causes me to want bad things rather than good things? Why do the temptations that I have, why can't I just easily say no to them? Why do I find myself chasing after them? If you've ever asked yourself those questions, here's the answer. There is a spirit who is at work in us. And we have this desire to be disobedient. And one of Satan's major tools in what he's doing in our life is the lie. He lies to us. In John eight forty four talks about Satan being the father of lies. He is the one who comes and says, if you do this, you're going to be happy. He he doesn't say, oh, and by the way, it's going to ruin all of your relationships down the road. You'll be happy for five minutes or five months, but down the road, it's going to ruin everything. He lies. There's just enough truth in the lie. There's just enough believability in the lie that we buy it. And because of that, we end up in what Paul calls spiritual death. It's the world, it's the devil, but that's not all. It's also our sinful nature. We gratified. Paul says, the cravings of our sinful nature, and we followed its desires and its thoughts. We can't just blame the world or Satan. Temptation is found within ourselves, and we say the yes within ourselves. In fact, in that verse I just read again, did you notice the three ways that our sinful nature speaks to us? It talks about cravings and desires and thoughts, something I want, something I think, something I need. When I go after that craving, that thought, that desire, all of a sudden I end up with the lie and I end up with spiritual death, separation from God. Paul is saying here in the first three verses of Ephesians 2 that this is true of all of us. This isn't just the spiritual history of a few people. This is true of everyone. Everyone faces spiritual death. Because of what happened in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of creation, we all face spiritual death, separation from God. And because of this, Paul uses a phrase at the end of chapter 3 that is shocking to many people. He says, because of this, we were by nature objects of wrath. You know, it, it sounds so nice and so comfortable to talk about the universal fatherhood of God, to declare that all of us, all mankind, we're all brothers and sisters under one God. That's nice, that's comfortable, but it's simply not true. It's not true according to what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Apart from a relationship with God, apart from what Jesus Christ can do in our lives, we are objects of wrath. Because of the sin in our lives, God's going to pour out his punishment, his wrath against that sin. A holy God is not going to allow sin. He's not going to allow evil. And without Jesus, that would be the end of my spiritual life history. That would be the totality of who I am. No matter what I did in this world, whether it was a lot or a little, What determined who I really am for all of eternity would be this phrase, objects of wrath. But that's not the end of the story. Now, wrath is God's response to sin. But Jesus, because of his love for us, allowed God's wrath to be poured out upon him on the cross. He took it for us. What Paul is telling us here is that before Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead. And he's helping us to picture something true about all of us. We don't just need, when it comes to life, We don't just need a resuscitation, we need a resurrection. You can't do CPR on a dead person, and we are spiritually dead. That is why we need Christ. Now, some spiritually dead people look better than others and act better than others, but our problem goes much, much deeper than than getting ourselves cleaned up a little bit or acting a little bit better than the guy next door. We need a resurrection. That's why what Jesus did at Easter is so important. He died for us, and he lives for us. Sin results in death. However fun or exciting or tempting it might look, the truth remains the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God. Sin kills. It kills our innocence. It kills our ideals. It kills our human will. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. God has a new end to the story because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're going to get to that tomorrow. But as we end today, I want to take a moment to talk to God about the realities of what we face today. Today, to be honest to God about these realities. Would you pray with me? As you talk to him, would you say, Father, first of all, I want to thank you in advance for what Jesus has done. We don't have to live in this spiritual death. But I also want to be honest about the lies that are told to me still every day and how tempting it is to follow after the ways of the world or my own selfishness and to think that somehow I can find there a life that I I, I can't find in you. I just say to you clearly right now, I'm reminded by these verses that is simply not true. It may seem true. It may feel true for a few minutes or months or moments, but it's not true. Life is in you. Hope is in you. And God, I want to live a life that's connected to you. So I thank you that you have changed my spiritual history because of what Jesus Christ has done. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.